Well, it's great to see each of you here today. If, um, if that time of just intimate worship was, uh, it just hit something that needed to be hit in your life, uh, I want to especially invite you back uh, next week, uh, this coming uh, week on Wednesday evening. We just have a, at 6.30 to 7.30 in here, we'll just have a, a prayer and worship um, evening. And it's um, a lot of just God speaking softly, intimately to our hearts as we listen for his voice. So I, I would invite you back uh, for that. But it's, it's great to see each of you here today. If you <clears throat> haven't been around the past few weeks, you've missed us uh, really taking an in-depth look at the person of Jesus. In fact, uh, we've been spending our, our days and nights with Jesus. For some of you, this has been an opportunity to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Um, uh, others of you, uh, these uh, last few weeks have been a reminder, a reminder of the very heart of God. And still, for others of you, uh, this series has been really transforming, life-changing. Uh, you've encountered Jesus, the, the real Jesus, and, and he's been more than, than you could ever expect or hope for or imagine. You know, uh, so far we've, we've seen Jesus welcome a notorious sinner, feed thousands, uh, confront a, a religious leader, heal a blind man, walk on water, and share God's heart for the lost. And today, though, we're taking a look at a, a different kind of story, um, a, a tender and intimate story. The story of a man who failed his best friend of a man who denied the one who loved him, a man who thought that his failure put him beyond the reach of God. It's a story for anyone who feels unforgivable, a story for anyone who feels uh, discouraged, broken by their, their failure or sinfulness in, in their own life. Really, this is a story about us. It's a story of the weakness of humankind, but the greatness of God. It's a story of a man who had blown it so severely that he thought he could never be received again. But this is the story of a God of countless chances. And as I say that, I'm aware that some of you barely made it here today. I mean, the way your, your day went, your, your, your week, your month, uh, maybe even your entire life, uh, you may have very well thought, why even bother? Why? why? Why bother going to church? All the, all the brokenness in my life, the, the sin in my life, the stuff that I've committed, why, why even bother? This isn't for me. I got, yeah, God loves, God forgives, but that's for everybody else. Not for me. Well, despite that, the truth is you're here, you made it here today, or you're, you're listening uh, later to this sermon. You know, God, God somehow got you here, and I believe that he's got you here for a reason. He has something for you today. You know, the event that we're going to take a look at today uh, from Jesus' life is found in the very last chapter of the book of John, uh, chapter 21. Um, and it starts with, with something uh, fairly common. Uh, the disciples are heading out to fish. Uh, now, uh, they, many of them were fishermen, uh, so they were out fishing, and they fished all night long, probably uh, so that they could uh, get a fresh catch and sell it at the market uh, the next day. And, and so they're out all night. And we read in verse 3 of chapter 21 that, that they were all out all night, but they hadn't caught a thing. 
not, not even a nibble. Now, you have to remember that these, uh, these guys, these were pros. Like they, this was the way that they made their living for years. This was generations of living. They, they, they knew what they were doing. They, they were professionals at this. And I, I remember uh, fishing as a kid. I don't, I don't fish that often, but I remember fishing as a kid, and I caught something, right? The, these guys were pros. They caught nothing, nothing at all. The scripture goes on to say that at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. So he's standing on the beach. The disciples are out there in a boat not far off the shore. And, and Jesus, he says, uh, the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out to them, fellas, have you caught any fish? Fellas, have you caught any fish? Now, you know full well that Jesus knows they hadn't caught anything. Uh, Jesus does this regularly in the scriptures. He'll ask a question that he already has the answer to. He already knows the answer, but he asks the question to give us an opportunity to come clean, to own up, to uh, be honest. He, he does this earlier in the book of John in ch chapter four, when he's uh, having a conversation with a woman at, at a well. And he says to her, uh, woman, go get your husband knowing full well that she's been divorced five times and is currently living with a man who isn't her husband. Or, or in Mark chapter 9, when he and his disciples are, are walking on the road and, and he overhears them having a conversation and, and he says, hey guys, what are you talking about? Knowing full well that they're discussing amongst, amongst themselves who amongst them is, is the greatest. You know, Jesus often asks questions he knows the answer to in order to give people the opportunity to be honest, and to be truthful about themselves. Fellas, have you caught any fish? And then, and then in, the, in the scriptures, there's, you know, I'm glad that we sang that God is a, a miracle worker because something astonishing happens here. It's, it's miraculous almost. A group of professional fishermen admit they hadn't caught a thing. You're supposed to laugh at that. They, you, you've, you know, they didn't even talk about the one that got away. Right, and so, so they admit it. All they say is no, no is all they say. Then Jesus, uh, remember, he's a professional carpenter and a, a rabbi, a, a professional teacher. And, and so Jesus offers up some advice to these pros. And, and it's complicated advice. Uh, he said, uh, try putting the nets down on the other side of the boat, is what he tells them. And as if they hadn't tried that already. Uh, as if fish swim on one side of the boat, but not on the other side of the boat. Guys, have you tried the other side? Well, they do what this know-it-all guy on the shore suggests doing. And the Bible says that they caught a massive load of fish. Just a, a ton of fish. So, so much so that they, they couldn't even pull in the nets. It was too much. And immediately... Uh, uh, John, the author of this gospel and one of Jesus' disciples, immediately the Bible says that he recognized that it was Jesus and he whispered to Peter, it is the Lord. It's the Lord. And then immediately Peter uh, grabs his clothes, which I guess he was fishing naked or something. I don't know if that's a thing. Maybe that's why the fish weren't biting. I don't know. Uh, but he grabs his clothes, he, he, he wraps them around himself and he jumps in the water and he swims to shore. Now, the thoughts on Peter's mind as he's swimming into shore uh, uh, 
couldn't have been clear. His mind had to have been a jumbled mess of emotions and feelings. Uh, maybe he was thinking back to the last time that he jumped out of a boat uh, to uh, head toward Jesus. And we looked at this story a couple of weeks ago from Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus had been walking on water in the middle of a storm, right? And, and Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water too. Yes, he, he started sinking, but, but Jesus reached out his hand and he rescued Peter that time. Or, or maybe Peter flashed back to the very first time that he met Jesus. It's recorded in Luke chapter 5. Uh, it was a very similar setting. It was along the Sea of Galilee. Peter had been fishing all night long with his crew and had caught nothing then, too. And Jesus, at the time, told Peter to go out, and he said, uh, go to deeper water and put out your nets in deeper water. And after arguing with Jesus a little bit, Peter did it, and he caught a massive load then, too. So much so that the nets almost ripped and the boats almost sank. And afterwards, Peter came back and he found Jesus and he fell at his knees confessing his brokenness because he knew this was a man of God. And Jesus invited him to drop his nets. And he said, from now on, Peter, you'll be a fisher of men. It seemed so long ago. But when that happened, Peter did. He dropped his nets. He left everything and he followed Jesus. Perhaps Peter was thinking about these things as he was swimming into shore, but probably Peter was thinking about how bad he had recently failed Jesus. And we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but, but you know, sometimes when we failed Jesus, he comes looking for us. He takes us back to the very beginning and pursues us. I, I don't want you to miss the fact that, that in this story, uh, Peter uh, had failed Jesus just recently beforehand, and yet Jesus comes looking for Peter. Peter's not looking for Jesus. He's out fishing. But Jesus comes looking for Peter. When you fail God, when you fail Jesus, you can expect him to come looking for you. You know, he comes to you when you least expect him. And oftentimes in the common things of life, work, when you're making a meal, when you're mowing the lawn, when you're driving. And Jesus shows up and he offers us what we least expect. And in this case, Jesus was standing on the shore making breakfast. <laughs> he was making breakfast. Jesus had made them breakfast over a charcoal fire. Oh, a fire. Why did there have to be a fire? You see, the last time Peter was around a fire, at least that we read about, it was a very different story. Jesus had just been taken away under arrest. He was on trial. He was taken to the home of uh, the high priest where he was mocked, spit on, beaten. And Peter had uh, gotten in he had snuck into the, the large outer courtyard of the high priest's home, and, and he warmed himself by a charcoal fire. And it was around this fire that Peter, in order to save his own skin, denied knowing Jesus three different times. And then the scriptures say that across the, the courtyard, 
Jesus' eyes met Peter's eyes. And after failing Jesus, Peter ran away, weeping bitterly. And now the moment of truth had come. Jesus had come looking for him, and Peter was going to have to admit his failure. He, he had rejected Jesus in his greatest hour of need. What must be running through Peter's mind? I, sure, surely after what I did, Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Of, of all sinners, I am the most awful. Others, others before, before they knew Jesus, they'd made mistakes. Yes, and, and, and then they saw Jesus' amazing power and his love and forgiveness. But me, me, I already knew the amazing power of Jesus. He was the very son of God. I'm the one who confessed it first. I recognized it first. I knew his power. I walked on water. Surely I'm the most awful sinner because I knew the truth. I had experienced the truth, and yet I denied him. I turned my back on the one who would give his life for me. Surely, surely I'm not redeemable. Hey, have you ever found yourself in a place where you kind of thought God had or should write you off? As you just dropped the ball one too many times. And, and right now, I'm, I'm kind of directing this at those of you who know the truth, that you, you know God's amazing love for you. You've experienced his grace and his truth. You, you've walked on water. Right? You and I, we don't have any excuses. Because we know who he is. We've experienced who he is. Maybe you feel like God has written you off, though, maybe because of continued sin, the pain that you've caused others, maybe the lives and hearts that you've damaged. Surely God must be finished with you. And, and yet here's Jesus pursuing Peter, inviting him to sit down and share a meal with him. Uh, friends, I just want to make it as clear as possible. Uh, I believe the, the God of the Bible, the Jesus that we've been encountering, because of him, you are not irredeemable. Who more than Peter knew the truth and yet failed Jesus? Who more than Peter deserved to be beyond the reach of God's grace and forgiveness? And yet, yet, if Peter was not beyond the height or the depth or the, the width or the breadth of God's grace, then neither are you. Neither are you. I don't care how bad you've screwed up or how bad you've blown it, how long it's been since you last turned to God, God hasn't turned his back on you. And he will come looking for you. You are not beyond the reach of God's grace. But even grace can hurt a little bit. It's never easy to confront our own failures. And we get a glimpse of that after breakfast when Jesus turns to Peter and kind of deals with him directly. Now, I, I don't know for sure, but, but uh, reading this passage, you know, it may have been that Jesus and Peter had a, a moment uh, when, when he swam into shore before the other disciples got there. I don't know, but, but this may have been the first time that they really connected. When Peter and Jesus' eyes really met. And what, what would you say to Jesus if you were Peter? I didn't mean it. Jesus, I never meant to turn my back on you. 
I didn't want any of what I did to happen. That was not my desire, and yet I did it anyway. I couldn't believe it came out of my mouth. I can't believe that I told those people I didn't know you. And to do it again, I can't believe that I did that. And then I saw your eyes, Jesus, and I ran. And truth be told, I haven't stopped crying since. Friends, Peter is very vulnerable in this moment. I hope you can can see that. Peter's waiting to hear Jesus' words like, like a guilty man waits to hear his sentence. And then Jesus asks the question that would wound Peter to the core of his soul, but, but would also bring deep healing to his life again. Do you love me? Was Jesus' question. Jesus, looking into Peter's heart, says, Simon. He doesn't even call, he calls him by his original name, not, not the name that he, Jesus, gave him many years previously, not Peter, which meant rock, image of reliability and stability because Peter was anything but that. Simon, do you love me more than these? Now, at first glance, it kind of looks like Jesus is maybe fishing for a competitive kind of love here. Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples? But I think there's something more going on here. Jesus is, I believe, gently reminding Peter of his words just a few days before. Peter, Peter's words to Jesus at the Last Supper, just hours before Peter would deny even knowing Jesus. This exchange happened. Jesus told all the disciples, he said, all of you will desert me. And a few verses later, Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, Jesus, I never will. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Even if all the others desert you, Jesus, I never will. I will love you more than these. Simon, you love me more than these. And Jesus' question struck Peter to the core. In simple humility, Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I do. And if that pain wasn't enough, Jesus asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And after Peter responded the same way, Jesus asked a third time, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? And by this last time, Peter was heartbroken. His heart's torn in two, and he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now, Peter doesn't know what we know reading this. Peter doesn't know that he is being healed and that Jesus is doing this for his benefit Peter doesn't know that Jesus is asking him the same question three times. Three times representing the three times that Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Every time Peter denied knowing Jesus, his heart shrunk. Just like every time we turn from God, our heart shrinks a little bit. And Peter's heart had shrunk so much um, that it needed restoring. Healed. And Jesus did this in the same way by proclaiming, proclaiming, and uh, asking Peter to proclaim his love for him. I mean, Jesus could, he could, he could have asked Peter, are you sorry for what you did? 
He could have asked, do you promise not to do it again? Will you do better next time? But no, Jesus was restoring Peter's heart, the heart that had been shrunken so much so that it couldn't be used anymore. And this exchange between Jesus and Peter would redirect the, the trajectory. It's kind of like rewriting a destiny, <laughs> like we sang in that song. It's like this would redirect the trajectory of Peter's life if he would receive it. And friends, I don't want you to miss this. If you hear nothing else, hear this. The restoring work of Jesus must be accepted. It must be received. Regretting the things that you've done in the past or, or wishing, even knowing in your head that God could forgive them doesn't mean that they are. <coughs> Jesus' restoring work must be received. It must be accepted. I came across this, this great story, which is a fantastic illustration of this. In the 1830s, there was a criminal uh, named George Wilson who was on death row because he had killed a government official during a robbery that had gone bad. Uh, but before Wilson was scheduled to be hanged, uh, uh, the president at the time, Andrew Jackson, issued a pardon. But bef uh, something that had never happened before happened in this case. George Wilson refused the pardon. Uh, Wilson had been haunted by his actions and felt too bad to accept the pardon. He felt that he did deserve the crime for his penalty, uh, the penalty for his crime. Uh, and no, nobody, no, nobody knew what to do. This, this had never happened before. I mean, was he pardoned or wasn't he? Well, what do we do? And so uh, after debating this amongst themselves for a while, they, they, they sent it on up the the chain of command, and eventually it made its way all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court took some time deliberating before they came back with this ruling, and, and I quote, a pardon is a deed to the validity of which delivery is essential. And delivery is not complete without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it is tendered. And if it is rejected, we have discovered no power in this court to force it upon him. Two days later, George Wilson was hanged. Friends, don't be touched by the tenderness of this interaction between Jesus and Peter without missing the important action step. You must accept the pardon that you're being offered. Jesus has come looking for you, but he will not force his grace upon you. Just because it's available doesn't mean it's yours until you receive it. Jesus came to Peter to the very first place that they met at the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and he came to offer Peter forgiveness and healing. And, and we're talking about the God not of second chances, but of countless chances. Well, the good news is that Peter received the restoration that Jesus had to offer. But there's more. And as I was preparing this week, I thought this would be a good place to wind it up. And looking at the time, maybe I should have. I don't know. But, uh, uh, but, but I didn't want you to miss the beauty of what happens next. In, in this, You see, every time Peter responds to Jesus' question, uh, do you love me, uh, with yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you, every time Jesus then responds with a statement before asking the next question. This, and the statement that he made the first time to Peter was, 
then feed my lambs. And then the second time, he said, then take care of my sheep. And then the, the third time, Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And then at the end of verse 19, the Bible says, then Jesus told him, follow me. You know, that's what he said to Peter three years earlier. Drop your nets. Follow me. I hope you see what's going on here. Jesus, he still has plans for Peter. Jesus believes in him. He's not just forgiving Peter here, but he believes in Peter's future. Even after Peter denied him, even after the bomb dropped and their eyes met and Peter fled, Jesus still had plans for Peter. I mean, can you imagine what, what would be going through Peter's mind? Maybe you can, because maybe it's the same thing that goes through your mind. Okay, yes, maybe you can receive, maybe you can forgive me. But man, you can't ever trust me again. Will you still have me? Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee, that first place where they met, the place where he first called Peter. He came back there to call him again after his failure. I have plans for you. I want you to be in the game. I don't want you to miss it. I still believe in you. Jesus saw in Peter a man who was eligible for forgiveness, and he saw the possibility of what Peter could become. You know, the day that Jesus made breakfast is a story of a tender interaction between Peter and his Lord, but the truth of the matter is, God's got something for us too. He's got us here for a reason. Uh, I believe he has something in store for you today. And God is the one who heals and restores and forgives and redeems. He embraces prodigal children. He's the restorer of those who have wandered too far. His love knows no limits. His grace has no measure. And his power to forgive and restore knows no boundaries known to men or women. He is the God of countless chances, and he's done it for Peter. He's done it for me, and he's offering to do it for anybody who will receive it humbly. God is in the business of redeeming. I mean, that's what he does. He redeems and he redeems and he redeems and he redeems. He'll, he'll turn your failures into stepping stones into the life that can be if you'll receive the work that he wants to do in your heart. Jesus stands before you for a reason, to give you a, a fresh start, a clean slate. He stands by the fire this morning inviting you to love him. And he has this invitation. Follow me. What will you say? He's looking into each of your hearts and mine. And you can walk away or you can receive the healing work of Christ and allow him to use your life. What are you going to say? Now, I, I'm, I'm glad that Christine... Uh, invited those of you who are uh, veterans or those of you, uh, she didn't mention this, but I would throw in their active military. Uh, many of you are, are still serving. Um, but I, I want to speak to you for a moment, if you'll allow me. Um, what are you going to do? I've got the microphone, right? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I realize that what I'm about to say 
isn't necessarily your experience or your story. But I've, I've talked and had deep conversation with quite a number of veterans uh, who have really struggled, struggled deeply with what they've seen. In some cases, uh, what they've done or what they feel responsible for. Some, if not all of you, have felt tainted, in some cases dirty or broken, because of the sacrifices that you've made in the call of duty. And some of you have tried to cope with your feelings, uh, feelings of unforgiveness in some cases, uh, by, by just trying to just numb the pain, to, to build up enough hardness of heart that it doesn't hurt anymore. And you've paid a price. Your family has paid a price. And yet I want you to know in no uncertain terms that Jesus is standing before you, even you, and offering forgiveness and grace and saying very clearly that you are not disqualified. He has plans and purposes still for you. So I, I want to do something today. Um, I, I, just, I just feel compelled to pray for you and, um, and your families. Um, so if, if you would, I know I, I was sitting over here when Christine said, be recognized. Uh, some of you were like, oh, oh. <laughs> you're up and you're down right away. You, you don't, I know you don't want to stand out. Um, but I would love to pray for you and your family. If you would, um, with the rest of us, if we could just have our heads just bowed in prayer, uh, would you would you mind standing so we can extend a hand in your direction and pray for you and, and, and your families today if, if they're with you? Would you mind doing that just so I can kind of see who I'm praying for? Um, and fa families with these folks standing. Uh, active service people too, uh, you can say. Uh, spouses, children, uh, parents, in some cases, if you're here, would you just stand with these good folks? Okay, now if, if you're not standing, uh, if you could just e extend a, a hand toward these folks, even if you are standing, um, uh, let's, let's pray together. <laughs> Heavenly Father, um, you're the God of countless chances. And we just want to pause and simply say thank you for these men and women before us today. Thank you for creating them. Thank you for calling them yours. Thank you for giving them to us. And thank you for their willingness to put themselves into harm's way for our benefit. And in this moment of honesty, they, they may very well admit that they have been harmed. Harmed by what they've seen, harmed by what they've done, harmed by maybe the harm they, they may feel responsible for. Some of them have struggled with this in the past and maybe still do today, and if, if they don't, then they have names of friends who have and are. 
And many wonder deep down inside, is there still hope for me? Is there still hope for my soul? Lord, I pray, and we all join in the prayer that you would penetrate all of the questions, all of the barriers that they may have erected to speak plainly and clearly to their hearts that yes, yes, you not only extend your mercy and forgiveness, but you have a plan and a purpose for their life. Feed my sheep. Follow me. God, would you bind up any wounds that are still festering? Would you, would you bring hope and healing to family members who have experienced collateral damage? Would you bring restoration and wholeness? Those of us lifting them to you in prayer, we, we love these men and women and thank you for the ways that they have blessed and protected us. Now, would you please do the same for them? For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said, amen. Thank you. Um, I, I also recognize that um, you don't have to have served uh, our country in the military to have experienced uh, some level of feeling unforgivable. Um, and if you're struggling with could God still want me? Um, and don't, uh, don't sit on that any longer. Uh, you know, this, uh, this week, I just invite you, reach out to our pastoral staff, to me, to one of our other pastors. We, we would love to just encourage you, share the truth of God's word with you, and, and point you to a God who will sit down with you and make you breakfast, no matter what what your past has held. Uh, so let's, let's continue to worship this God.